0: Go ahead and grab a seat. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we live in a world that's, that's broken, we live in a world that is um, full of pain. Evidence is all around us, fills the news, uh, social media feeds, you name it. And we can ignore it for a time or perhaps uh, avoid it for a while, but eventually it presses in. We've all experienced struggle. We've all experienced suffering of some kind. We've all battled fears and anxiety at different points in our lives. And Father, we've all probably wondered somewhere down deep inside in those moments, what are you doing about it? We want to know your answer because we know you're a God who's faithful and we know you're a God who's trustworthy and we know you're a God of love and compassion and and because of you are all those things and more, we know you will not leave us or forsake us or abandon us. Instead, you come to save us. You send your only begotten Son into the world to be our Savior. You literally name him Jesus, which means salvation. And so this morning we come to praise you, Father, and thank you for saving us. And now we ask for you to teach us through your Holy Spirit that we might understand the depths of what we have been saved from, and the heights of what we have been saved for. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Thanks, team. I was thinking about, as we were watching that video, I've been to that little church at the end there, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and it is out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you like drive like two hours down a road and then you go onto a dirt road and then you go through a field and then like a goat track and, you know, you finally end up in these spaces. And it is just the most precious, precious thing. I was talking to the pastor there and, you know, he, he went there and the name of Jesus had literally never been heard in that village before he got there. And he starts preaching the gospel and things start taking place and people start getting healed and all kinds of wonderful things start happening in the village. And as a result, like he's got 50 or 60 folks now that worship in that little church. And that entire area has just absolutely changed. And families are, are, are more healthy and lots of awesome things are taking place. And that's really what it's all about. Amen? I mean, it really is. It's pretty amazing. It got me thinking, Like, when was the first time that you remember your need for a Savior, like when, it, when that hits you for the very first time. Can you, can you remember back to that moment or maybe those moments in your life where you needed God to step in, to deliver you? Maybe you faced a financial crisis like a young woman that I talked to uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, abandoned by her husband and, and, and mother of two young children, battling cancer, working two jobs to try and make ends meet. She needed a miracle, and God came through for her. Or maybe you faced a terminal diagnosis and, and, and like so many that I've prayed for over the years and, and the doctors gave you no hope and the odds were stacked against you and the science said you had no chance but, and you needed a miracle and, and God stepped in. Or maybe you faced an addiction and, and, and a substance just had you enslaved and it didn't matter how hard you tried or how disciplined you became, no matter what you did, you just could not kick the habit, you needed a miracle and God stepped in. Or maybe you grew up in poverty and the violence and the warfare in your neighborhood or your home country or wherever you come from created all kinds of instability, the lack of access to resources and opportunities made things seem hopeless. You needed a miracle and God stepped in. Friends, those are all examples of God's saving work, all very real dimensions to God's saving actions in this world, in our lives. I've known people who have Faced every single one of those situations and I could probably give you a thousand more. But it does beg the question, right? I mean, what about when God doesn't step in? What about when the miracle doesn't come through? What about those who suffer financial collapse? Or what about those who succumb to terminal disease? Or what about those who remain locked in addiction? What about those who, who are trapped in poverty? Never get out of those places where there's so much violence that steals hope for a better life. As the Old Testament prophet Isaiah once said, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. And yet that's sometimes how it feels, if we're honest. Amen? Amen? Yeah, and here's where we got to press deeper when we start talking about salvation. I think too often we make the mistake of thinking, salva- thinking of salvation of a, as a, as a this-worldly thing when it's really about the other world, right, the world to come, right? Um, God's salvation's not just a temporal reality. As thankful as I am for the many miracles that I've seen, and again, I've seen many over the course of my life, death does eventually come for us all. You can't escape the brokenness of this world, not ultimately. I mean, even if you're a guy like Lazarus, how many of you know Lazarus from the Bible? Raise your hand if you know Lazarus from the Bible, right? Remember what happened to him? He was raised from the dead, right? Doesn't get any more miraculous than that. Doesn't get any more amazing than that. And yet, yet, um, on some level, it meant he had to do it twice. You ever think about that? Like, did he get, like, a raw deal? Like, got to go through death twice? Like, I've often thought, like, when I get to heaven, like, what's Lazarus going to say? Like, eh, you know... It's fine to be a sign and all that, but I wish you would have chosen. Anyway, whatever, who knows, right? But anyway, the, the, the point is there's got to be more to this salvation business than, than just what happens in this life because God's salvation doesn't come with an expiration date. All right, It is for eternity. And so if you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, and I hope you do, open up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. As I shared last week, this is where we're going to be camping out all through the Christmas season as we dive deep and we discover why the birth of Jesus Christ is truly good news of great joy for all people. All right? Listen to what, what the angel says in Luke chapter 2 verses 10 through 12. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, if you know, if you were here last week, you might remember we talked about Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. Why is the birth of Jesus Christ good news of great joy for all people? Because he is God and he came to be with us. Because he's God and he came to show us that he is for us, right? For unto us a child. Is born, right? That's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to move to the second aspect of the Christmas story and why it's good news, and it has to do with Jesus being our Savior our Savior. Now, if you know anything about the life of Jesus, you know He worked all kinds of miracles. You know that He did all the things that I just talked about right in the beginning of the sermon here, right? He provided miraculously for those in need. He healed disease. He broke the power of addiction. He cast out demons. He brought peace and reconciliation and restoration to all kinds of different communities. We see this happening throughout the Gospels, but we also see that He didn't do it for everybody. I mean I've often like wondered like you know I I kind of imagine Jesus standing there the and like a line of people waiting to be healed and at some point in time Jesus says I'm done and like what happens to the guy or the gal that's next in line who doesn't get healed. Jesus doesn't heal everybody. Jesus doesn't uh, set everybody free. Jesus doesn't raise everyone from the dead. So how then can we call him Savior? Again, there has to be something deeper going on. And and the salvation that Jesus offers us, friends, what what we have to understand is that it transcends the temporal realities and the struggles that we face in this world. It's not just about what happens here. And that is why the writer of the book of Hebrews calls Jesus more worthy, or worthy of more glory, I should say, than even a guy like Moses. Because if you think about the Israelites, and you think about what a Savior is, like in the Israelite history, you can't can't go anywhere else but Moses, right? He is the guy. Delivers Israel from slavery in Egypt, parts the Red Sea, brings water from a rock, manna from heaven. God uses Moses to do all those things and more, and yet Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Or you think about Joshua, right? The mighty general, another savior from Israel's history, the one who led Israel into the promised land, conquered all the tribes, all the cities of that region. God used Joshua to do unbelievable things, right? And yet, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. What about King David? Greatest king in Israel's history. Defeated the Philistines. Made Israel a dominant regional power. Man after God's own heart. God used David in a mighty way to be a savior. And yet, Jesus Is greater. Why do we believe Jesus is greater? Because the salvation he brings again is not just temporal, it is eternal. The reality is that Moses was able to deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt, but he could not deliver them from slavery to sin. Joshua was, was a great general who helped Israel conquer the powerful tribes, but he, but he couldn't help Israel conquer the selfish, selfish inclinations of their own hearts, right? David was a great king who established Israel by defeating the enemies that surrounded them, but he could not defeat the evil that existed in his own heart. Only Jesus can save us from ourselves, friends. And only Jesus could save us from this world and all the pain and the suffering that exists within it. And only Jesus can save us from death and hell and the devil. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. Say it with me. A Savior. A Savior. That's what makes the birth of Jesus Christ such good news of great joy. Now, if Jesus is our Savior, and he is... What then does that actually mean, okay? If he saves us from more than just what happens in this world, what is he saving us from and what is he saving us for. You see, to really understand salvation, the depth of it, friends, you've got to look at both sides of the ledger. You can't just focus on the negative side, what Jesus saves us from. If you do that, like if you focus on, oh, Jesus just saves me from hell. I just need fire insurance. I just need my get-out-of-hell free card. If that's where you focus, then you're, good. you're in danger of giving your heart to Jesus out of fear. That's not what Jesus wants, right? Right? Nor can you focus just on the positive side, right? All the blessings that God gives you. You'll turn this relationship with Jesus into a transaction, right? You do for me, I do for you kind of thing. And that is not what Jesus wants. You've got to have both if you're going to have a healthy relationship with Jesus. You've got to have both if you're going to have a holistic relationship with Jesus. You're going to have to have both if you're going to grasp how high and wide and deep is the love of Christ for you. And so let me let me start then this morning by putting up on the screen the things that Jesus saves us from. Like I shared with the kids, right? Life has a way of tangling us all up inside. And, 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 and in fact, the Bible says we're already born in a tangled sort of mess, and it only gets worse the older we get. Sin adds layer upon layer upon layer of, of bondage to our minds, our hearts, our, our bodies, our souls. There is absolutely no way we can free ourselves. Left to our own strength, left to our own wisdom, left to our own devices, we are doomed. Doomed to an eternity apart from God doomed to be enslaved to the powers of this world, doomed to be enslaved to the selfish desires of our hearts, doomed to be enslaved to the devil and the spiritual forces of evil that he unleashes upon us every single day. But thankfully, Jesus comes to save us from all of that. From all of that. And his salvation is so deep and so comprehensive, he leaves nothing out, nothing to chance, nothing to us. On the cross, Jesus saves to the uttermost those who place their faith in him. That's Hebrews 7 25. And the saving work that he begins at his incarnation at his birth, right? he, He brings to completion then at his crucifixion when he says, it is finished. And then through his resurrection he defeats the powers that enslave us once and for all, after which he ascends into heaven where he sits down at the right hand of God to take up the authority his father has given him. And it's from that great white throne, that Jesus will one day return to judge the living and the dead, which then brings me to my first and maybe most important thing that Jesus saves us from, and that is hell. That is hell, an eternity apart from God. Now, whatever you think of hell, and many Christians over the centuries have thought many different things about hell because the Bible talks about it in a whole lot of different ways, right? what everybody universally agrees upon is that it is an eternal existence apart from God. It's it's an eternal existence in spiritual darkness where the light of God's presence does not shine, an eternal existence cut off from the source of love and joy and beauty. And holiness. And before you start to get angry with God or you get frustrated with God or how in the world could God send someone there or condemn someone to such a place, here's the other thing that the Bible makes abundantly clear. Everybody who goes to hell will be there by their own choice. Everybody who goes there will be there by their own free will. And an atheist friend of mine years ago tell me, not realizing he was literally quoting Satan from John Milton's Paradise Lost. But anyway, he, uh, he, he said to me, he'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. And I know a lot of people who live their lives like that. right? I, 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 they show no interest in loving God. They, they have no interest in serving God. No interest in a relationship with God. Why then would God make them spend an eternity with him? That's not what he's going to do. It was C.S. Lewis who once said that at the end of the day when we stand before the judgment throne, we will either say to Christ, thy will be done, or he will say to us, thy will be done. Right? That, that's, that's how it works. I think Lewis is right there because that's how God, that's how committed God is to our freedom, friends. That's how committed God is to giving us free will, giving us choice, right? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. He says this, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated upon it, and from his presence earth and sky fled away, and there was no place found for them. And then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. In other words, according to what they had chosen. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done, according to what they had chosen. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he also was thrown into the lake of fire. You see, everybody, it's clear, everybody is judged by what they have done. In other words, according to the choices they have made. And how does one make sure that their name gets written in the book of life rather than the book of death? They choose Jesus. Amen? Yeah, that's what it's all about. They choose Jesus. Well, the second thing Jesus saves us from is slavery to this world. So, so there is a temporal aspect to Jesus' salvation. He saves us from slavery to the world. When you stop to think about it, right? I mean, really stop to think about it. None of us are None of us really are free. Not not really. All of our choices are conditioned to some extent by all sorts of things, right? Most of which is outside our control. We can't control the issues that we sort of inherit from our families of origin. We can't control where we were born or what culture that we grew up in. We can't control, you know, what happens to us as we grow up. And yet all of those factors play a massive role in shaping how we think, shaping how we feel, shaping how we act, shaping how we respond to different situations. Furthermore, very few of us have any kind of influence over the laws that our government makes, right, that govern our lives. None of us have control over interest rates and whether they go up or down. We can't predict the future. We can't predict what the stock market will do. We can't predict when there will be another global conflict that will impact the prices of commodities or inflation or you name it, right? Control, friends, is clearly an illusion. It's clearly an illusion. We can't control what happens. You know, I can't even control what happens this afternoon in my own home, right? Maybe that's a statement about my family, but whatever, all right? Much less, right, anything bigger than that, right? And and that's why we need a Savior. Because the Bible says we're enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. Right? The Bible's clear. It's why we shouldn't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And what is God's will for us? Well, His will for us is that we should place our faith in In his son. His will for us is that we would trust Jesus as our Savior. And when we take that step, what Jesus does is he sets us free from slavery to this world. We're in this world, but we're no longer of this world, and it no longer has a hold on us, right? And we're set free to serve and to do other things. We'll get to that in just a minute here. Third thing Jesus saves us from is slavery to self. So he saves us from hell, saves us from slavery to the world, and then he saves us from slavery to self. What is slavery to self? Well, there's no better description than the one the Apostle Paul gives in Romans chapter 7. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do is what I keep on doing. And now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sinful nature that dwells in me. And then if you jump down to verse 24, he sort of ends and he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And his answer, of course, is Jesus Christ. Christ. Now I need you to hear Paul clearly here. He's not saying it is impossible for us to do any good apart from God. It's just that it will be for our good and not his good. And that's the fundamental problem. We are selfish, self-centered, self-promoting, self-protecting creatures. Now that makes perfect sense to me, especially if you don't have a relationship with God because this world is a scary downright frightening place and if you don't have God on your side of course you're going to do everything you can to protect yourself right of course you're going to do everything you can to sort of get as much as you can right so that you can live in whatever in, in your life is a good life right of course you're going to do those kinds of things but sadly that approach to life only leads to slavery because our desires the things that we desire are twisted and warped by sin they this damaging ripple effect on the people around us. It could be our marriage, it could be our family, it could be our business, our school, it could be our neighborhood or community. Sin takes a toll, friends. And when I make choices that are self-centered, then it means I am not making choices with God in mind or others in mind, and that's where I get tangled up. And Jesus comes to save us from ourselves by by teaching us to deny ourselves and live a life of sacrifice by taking up a cross and following after him. And, And it's not that we cease to have an identity of our own or that we're erased somehow in this equation. Not at all. It's that our identity is no longer what's most important to us. What's most important to us now is our identity in Christ. Amen? That's what it's all about. That's what it means to be set free from the tyranny of self. Here's the final thing Jesus saves us from. Slavery to the devil. Now, I know some of you here might just think, okay, you just kind of went off the deep end. Like the devil and demonic stuff, that's like horror movies. That's not not real, you know, superstitious nonsense, right? But I would push back and simply say to you, what else could inspire the horrific events that we see happening in the world around us? Steal your heart sometime and go back and look at the pictures from October 7th of the Hamas raid into Israel. They're horrifying. I remember when I served in the prison, right? That the stories I would hear of the crimes that these men had committed were horrifying. They were evil. There was no other word for it. They had been inspired to do these things, these horrific, horrific things. Right, By something outside of themselves. Many of them would actually say that. Right? It was very scary, right? Or, or imagine the level of evil it takes to sustain something like anti-Semitism over centuries. Centuries now, friends. I mean, in every nation upon the earth, I mean, do you know how many attempts have been made throughout history to eradicate the Jewish people? The word genocide wasn't coined until after the Holocaust. All right? And it isn't just a modern day thing, and it's not just a Nazi Germany thing. The church in the Middle Ages was responsible for some of the most terrible atrocity against the Jewish people, and the same was true for the Roman Empire and the Persian Empire before that, and many, many other empires throughout the millennia, right? You have to ask yourself, what is it about this particular people that makes them such a target? And and for my part, I think it's because God loves them, and because God loves them, that means the devil's going to hate them. And he's going to do everything he can to destroy them. Because the devil always hates that which God loves. Right? He always tries to tear down That's which God builds. And, and you can try and ignore him for a while or you can try and pretend that he doesn't exist. And when you do that, we become willing participants then in his, his work to actually tear down and steal and kill and destroy all God has made. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3 says this. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons and daughters of disobedience, that was us before Christ, among whom which we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of humankind. That is the Bible's diagnosis of humanity in a nutshell. It's why man's inhumanity to man seemingly knows no limits. We are enslaved. We are dead to our sin. We have no hope of escape. The devil directs our actions, and that is why we need a Savior. Yeah? You with me? All right. Those are the things that Jesus saves us from. All right, now we'll move to the other side of the ledger. What does he save us for? And here we get into some of the more positive stuff, right? The first thing he saves us for is heaven. Amen? Amen. Who's ready to go to heaven? Maybe not right now, but right? I mean, come on, right? I mean, I, I'm ready, right? Let's do this, okay? All right? An eternity with God? That sounds awesome, right? Remember these wonderful words from John 3:16: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Don't let your familiarity with those words sort of breed contempt or take them for granted. This is an unbelievable statement. The God of creation, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord of life, the Holy One of Israel, the King of kings and Lord of lords wants a personal relationship with you. That is awesome. It doesn't get any better than that. That's amazing. And not only that, but he came from heaven to earth to make sure to communicate this message to you. To make sure that you knew how much he loved you, right? And not only that, but then when he left, when he ascended into heaven, he made you this promise. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. So that you can spend eternity with me. That's John chapter 14. I'm going to build you a home in heaven. Not made with human hands. Not made with human effort. It's going to be a gift of grace to those that I love. A place of eternal security and eternal rest for those that I will save. That's heaven, friends. That is our home. That is why we all have that longing for eternity in our hearts. That's why this world seems so strange and foreign at times. It's because we don't belong here. We're just passing through, right? And, and all, that's all because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus saves us first and foremost so that we can spend eternity with Him in heaven. Amen. Yeah, we can clap, right? Come well, I mean, the Indians last night were dancing at that news, all right? it's was awesome. Right, I was talking to a lady uh, at our blue Christmas service. She just lost her husband recently. It was amazing to talk to her. And we talked about because of the hope of heaven, it's a brief parting. And that brought such comfort to her. It, right in, in the timeline of eternity, it's a brief parting. And anybody who's lost someone they love, hopefully that brings you hope. Hopefully that brings you hope more. Right? That's, that's the beauty of it. second thing Jesus saves us for is he saves us to serve He saves us to serve. We no longer have to focus on serving ourselves. No, now we get to serve the world. We're no longer enslaved to the world's ways, no longer bound by the world's limitations, no longer beholden to the world's authority. This world has no claim or hold on us. And so we are now set free to serve her, to give to her, to bless her, her. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You know these words. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but, but, but it says, right? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine then before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is our high calling, friends. It's why we've been saved. It's why we've been set apart. This is why God has chosen us in love. He sends us out into a dark and dying world to offer Offer good news of great joy for all people everywhere. The good news of salvation. The good news of a Savior who was born. And this is what our world so desperately needs. They need to see salvation in action. They need to catch a glimpse of the heavenly kingdom, right? Of the heavenly community. And they should do so as they look into our life here together, right? Where every barrier is broken down. Again, last night we were with our Indian friends and there were five different languages that we spoke in and worshipped in. It was amazing. It was Telugu and Tamil and Hindi and and, and Nepali and English. It was awesome. It was messy, but it was awesome, right? But guess what? We're messy too, right? And it's awesome. I mean, I was looking around all these different people, all these different backgrounds and life experiences and cultures. And I come in on a Sunday morning, I see the same thing here, right? All kinds of different people, all kinds of different backgrounds backgrounds and cultures and all kinds of different things even Oklahoma right Jeff I mean come on right I mean all kinds of crazy people come in these doors right and we come together this is the one place in your life I guarantee it it's the one place in your life where you come together with people that are different than you we don't do it outside of out of the church we gather with like-minded people doing like-minded things with like-minded passion. Nothing wrong with any of that. I'm just saying the church is beautiful. The church is a picture of heaven because it brings us together across our differences. And that's where God is at work and every sin is forgiven and every hurt is healed and gosh, every every need is met and every tear wiped away and you say, man, well, serving the world like that sounds so big and I, I feel so small. Believe me when I tell you, I understand. So, So let me just encourage you Sort of let's, let's shrink it down then. Now let's, let's just start by serving others. How about just serve those around us. Serve those we live with and live among. And then expand maybe out from there to serve the least reached and the least resourced. Come alongside those in need. Ask God to give you the eyes to see and the heart for the broken right that he has. Right, I love what Galatians 5.13 says. It says you were called to freedom. Brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom or your salvation as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is why we were saved. Not to spend more time and energy on ourselves, but to give ourselves away to others. This is why we have been set free. Not to do whatever we want, whenever we want, right? but to channel all of our resources and all of our attention into loving others. And as we do those things, friends, as we engage in lives of service to those around us, what do we find? We find ourselves not just serving them, but serving Christ himself. Remember the words of Jesus from Matthew 25. He says, as you serve the least of these you were serving me you were serving me jesus saves us to serve amen, amen. all right let me ask the worship team to come back um, our kids are also going to be coming back in to join us for our final song so i'll ask them to send them back in as well as they do i want you to look up here look at all jesus has done for you all that he has saved you from all that he has saved you for And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, let the Holy Spirit press these truths deep into your soul. Come on in, kids. Come on in. They can come on in. All right. Let Him press deep into your soul. Let Him remind you of the depths and the heights and the breadth of His great love for you because it's easy to forget. It's easy to take for granted. It's easy to lose sight of how far God was willing to go to save us from our sins. But if you are here today... or if you're joining us online and, and you don't know Christ, and you are tired of the mess that you have made of your life, and you're tired of being all tangled up in sin, and you're tired of trying to slug it out on your own, and you have this longing to be free, I want you to hear the good news of great joy. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, friends. A Savior. Accept Him. Receive Him. Believe in Him. Place your trust in Jesus Christ and receive what He is offering you today. Romans 6.23 puts it the best, I think. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we give You thanks that You have come all the way from heaven to share this good news of great joy with us personally, You weren't content to send any kind of message, you know, write it in the sky, do whatever you want to do. No, no, no. You had to deliver it face to face. You wanted to make it personal, God. We give you thanks for that. And we praise you for that, God, that you lifted us up out of the pit. You lift us up out of our despair. You lift us up. You set our feet on the rock and you make our footsteps firm in Christ Jesus, Lord. We can't thank you enough for that. And there may be people here today, this morning, there may be people watching online, God, who have not yet taken that step. And so, Father, I just want to take a moment and encourage us to really reflect, have we given our lives to Christ? Have we accepted Him as our Savior? And if that's something that you want to do, I'll just direct our prayer right now down to you, right where you're sitting or right where you're sitting at home, and encourage you to pray these words after me. It's very simple. It's not complex. You simply say, Father, I, I am a sinner And I am all tangled up And I'm a mess And I can't make my way out of it I need you, I need you to come And I need you to save me and, and I believe you have sent your son to do just that And so Father, I receive the gift of Jesus Christ I open my heart up to him And I ask you now to come and to dwell with me And to make me new Set me free I pray this in the name of Jesus Now, if that's a prayer that you prayed, uh, Lord, I just pray that that those people would come forward after the service, talk to one of our elders down front, or if they're online, Lord, I pray that they would let us know. Because we're excited. We're excited to help you take the next steps. Uh, This is just the beginning. It's not the end. It's so exciting. We want that to share that excitement, Lord, and that joy. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you're still in the business of saving souls, whether it's in, you know, the remote reaches of places in Africa or it's right here in Parker, Colorado. Uh, you love all people everywhere and you give us this good news of great joy that would be for all people everywhere. So we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing our final song, friends.